Welcome to episode 66 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I was not so sure that stream word was going to let us go live on YouTube, fellas, but we are here. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Pham. And we have a lot of free agency news to get to, a lot of trade news, just a just an unheard of amount of stuff it feels like has happened since the last time we talked. I think Tom Brady was still retired last time we spoke. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers actually stayed on the same team. That was something that didn't change, but he did sign an extension. Uh, we know where Deshaun Watson's going to be playing. We don't know when, but we know where next <laughs> we don't season. Know when. Um, we know a lot of things that we did not know a couple weeks ago. Heck, I don't even think the Calvin Ridley, like, ga- like the Calvin Ridley gambling story is so far in the rearview mirror. And that <laughs> felt like such a big deal at that time. But perhaps most importantly, we know Mike Hughes plays for the Lions. So we know Dalton is starting Gabe Davis against the Lions this year because those teams play. Dalton, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I It has been an abs- probably the craziest NFL offseason I've been alive for. Uh, the NFL finally learned they can trade players. I think for a long time the NFL just refused to trade big-name guys. I mean, even a trade like Robert Woods for a six-round pick seems like something that wouldn't have happened. The NFL three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, God forbid. I mean, even Devonte Adams going for two firsts, yeah, is something you never would have seen. I bet a Megatron wishes he was in this NFL because the <laughs> Lions definitely would have dealt him by now. Yes, yes, a- a- absolutely, Johnny. How-, how about you? How you doing tonight? Doing good. I think it's also one of the first off seasons where you see reports of a player signing, supposedly going to another yeah. team and then say, oh, no, flip flop. And then they go back and forth. I think it's multiple kind of DeAndre fun. Jordan incident. Exactly. Yeah. That was the, the scenario I brought up. I was like, wow, this time honestly, at first for the NFL. And then it happened with like multiple players. So I was kind of excited to see like, where are they actually going to end up? Cause I think the first one was uh, Russell Wilson. Well, yep. he didn't flip-flop. But I was like, is he actually going to sign there or is he going to go somewhere else? So I was like, I never fully believed it until he showed the, up and signed. The the actual flip-flops, uh, Zadarius Smith, who just signed with the yep. Vikings today on the day that we're recording, he had signed a deal for more years and less guaranteed money, I think, with Baltimore. So he made out pretty well. And then Randy Gregory, and that was a weird situation where yep. – Apparently the Cowboys are trying to weasel some last minute things into his contract. And he said, nah, I'm going to go play in Denver. And now Randy Gregory is in Denver in the AFC West, which speaking of the AFC West, like <laughs> it seems like the AFC West looked at the NFC at the AFC East for Tom Brady's entire tenure and was like, we're going to do the opposite of that. Like we are, we are, we are not going to sit here and just let this quarterback run this division. Even the Raiders where it's like, they have Derek Carr, who's pretty good, but once, you know, you've got Herbert, you've got Mahomes, you've got Russell Wilson now, and everyone's like, you know, it really makes sense for the Raiders just to just to kind of bow out, just to let this era play out a little bit. Maybe come back stronger in a couple of years with with a new core, uh, a better quarterback. But like the Raiders are going all in too. Devontae Adams for two first round picks, like Dalton said, like it is an absolute arms race in in the AFC West. But isn't Devontae Adams also getting like twenty eight a year, like something absurd, right? Yeah, like he's getting the years. highest. He's getting the highest ever non QB contract in the NFL. Yeah, but his his contract is one of those funny NFL contracts where I think they ballooned the last couple of years just to make his overall number 
in quotations, bigger than DeAndre Hopkins, so they could say he's the highest paid receiver. I don't think I think when I saw his actual deal broken down to what he really will be getting, it was more like reasonable and believable than the the sticker shock on that first number was like, whoa, I can see why Green Bay would trade him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like uh the Browns and the Packers who are legitimately paying their quarterbacks like $90 million at the end of their contracts. Well, uh, Deshaun Watson making $1 million next year. And on that note, we can jump right into it, Dalton. We've got free agency winners. We've got free agency losers from a fantasy football perspective, of course, on this podcast. And then we're only going to do two each. So naturally, that will leave us a ton of wiggle room just to kind of jump around and talk about different situations that have developed in the NFL in the last couple of weeks. So Dalton, do you want to go first? You want me to give my first winner? I can go first. We're going winners first. Yep. All right. Uh, I'll probably jump into one of the most obvious, but it is Russell Wilson and every fantasy relevant player on the Denver Broncos. Um, Just before I start this off with, if I were to rank the biggest value winners on this team from a wide receiving standpoint, I would probably go Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, I am seeing. Did you see Wade? Russell Wilson said God gave me this arm to throw, like to throw yes. to Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick? Or like, if that's yes. not an exact quote, but like that was the gist. Like that was the gist of his quote. <laughs> well, and it's hilarious because he he said he saw the wide receiver group chat and there were interesting things said in it. So they probably said the f word one too many times for Russell Wilson. <laughs> um, God God said Thou shall not throw to DK Metcalf. Yeah, <laughs> he's like that's well, it, Denver. If we're going down narrative street, ever since the story came out about DK Metcalf and hitting up OnlyFans girls, Russell Wilson was completely out of the locker room. Uh, But I think Tim Patrick is actually the biggest winner on this team because there aren't many quarterbacks who can support three receiving options, but Russell Wilson is one of them. I know his tenure in Seattle doesn't make it feel that way, but for two straight seasons, the Seahawks had the lowest amount of offensive plays in the NFL. And that's largely in part because Pete Carroll wants to establish the damn run for whatever reason. Well, and then also you've got like the last couple, Tyler Lockett, who was like top 10 to 15, Doug Baldwin, who was always around there too. And like DK Metcalf, who was like top like eight. I think these Denver guys are all more in like the top 20 range, which makes three more realistic than two when there's not one super elite guy. Absolutely. Um, I just... I'm going to be honest here. Out of all of them, I'm most concerned about Cortland Sutton being the return on value. He's going the highest in drafts right now and has the highest ADP. And he needed basically all of Denver's wide receiver group to get injured to have a good start to last season. And it just feels like everybody's immediately slotting him into the DK Metcalf role because they're both big body go up for it guys. But he's also just not as good as DK Metcalf. And there are more receiving options on this team that I think that he might be the odd man out at the end of this all. It's possible. I, I think if you're looking just at pure winners on this team, I think Jerry Judy is probably the biggest winner just because he's such a, not like all volume. He's obviously, I think he's, I think he's good. I think he's talented. He just needs to put it together a little bit, but he more than those other guys really just needs a good offense to be able to move the ball, to be able to get him volume. Like he, he has three career touchdowns. He had zero his rookie year three last year. So like, yeah, he's probably going to have more than that, but he's not a big touchdown guy. I think he needs to to thrive on like those seven for 70, you know, six for, for 60 and a touchdown, like those type of lines where he's not going to be like the Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton 
three for 90 and a touchdown. Like, I don't see too many of those. So I think if you're just looking at biggest changes of value, I think Jerry Judy is the biggest winner. And I don't really know how I feel between Sutton and Patrick, but it's very on brand of you to to not like the the highest ranked guy of, of three. Uh, well, it's just there's value to be there, and I think you're, you're shooting for a lot more with Sutton. I do just want to mention, immediately when the trade happened and I saw Fant was included, I was like, man, I'm going to be all in on Albert O. Uh, everybody's too all in on Albert well, O at this point. Who could have predicted that <laughs> this would happen? Uh, I thought he would slot in like like eight or nine in my tight end rankings. I've seen him as high as six already above guys like Zach Ertz. Um, and there are a lot of mouths to feed, and Albert O isn't necessarily like the same athletic breaking talent that Noah Fant was no offense to him, but I'm, I'm probably out on Albert O season this off season. How about this? How about we make it a rule that you can only draft Albert O if you can say his last name, that'll really dampen <laughs> his value and hand up. I can't say it right now either. No idea how to say it. Would I learn how to or draft him? Yes. Do I think other people would probably not? I don't think people have the same kind of dedication to their craft as I do when it comes to this. You know, I agree with that. I think Albert <laughs> O season is over until we can pronounce his name. So next week we will be trying that. We'll work on it. We'll we'll, we'll each bring our attempt. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I, I hope Google has like the the verbal pronunciation thing for for Albert O. I hope they do too because I'll need it. Who's your first winner? I've literally heard him called Albert O like on TV broadcast too. So like this is gonna be a real struggle to figure this out. Oh, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so my first one is one that I think we both knew that one of us would have. So we communicated beforehand. It's like, okay, who who's going to do Juju Smith-Schuster? Okay, I'll do Juju. So Juju's heading to the Chiefs. One-year deal worth up to $10 million. He has a $3 million base salary. The rest is incentives, which is an interesting uh, structured deal. He's making less guaranteed money. Like if he got hurt right now, Byron Pringle would make more money this year than Juju Smith-Schuster. So just uh, an interesting note. Maybe the hype is going to build for Juju if we have a full offseason of talking about him and thinking about him in the Chiefs offense. But at least for now and definitely in free agency, just when we were seeing like top-ranked guys or just people talking about guys available on Twitter, I really feel like Juju's kind of a forgotten man in the NFL and especially in fantasy football. He's not a number one option, but he's really good at what he does. And what he does is get open on slants, on out routes, and all of that short and intermediate stuff, which is exactly what the Chiefs needed last year. If you paid any attention to the too high safety thing that was taking over the NFL last year, the Chiefs were uh, the poster poster boy for a team that was struggling a little bit with that. So I'm just going to pull a lot of my stuff here from a really great thread on Twitter. I sent you guys from overhyped sleeper at overhyped sleeper. So from week eight on in Juju's rookie year, he was a wide receiver one 39% of the time, a wide receiver two 26% of the time. And that means he was a wide receiver three 35% of the time on the surface. That doesn't sound great, but Keen Allen over the last five years has been a wide receiver three 46% of the time, and Keen Allen's been a wide receiver one season-long the last five years. This is PPR, I think. This guy was uh, going on PPR formats here. And Keen Allen was obviously 25 years old when he started his run after he had a couple of seasons of injuries. I think he had the ACL, and the year before that, he had like the ruptured spleen or something that was incredibly painful-sounding. Um Juju's 25 now. He's had the last couple of years where he lost basically all of last year to injury 
And then the year before that, he struggled with, I think it was a toe. He had a concussion that he missed some time, and he was valid through various things. So he just wasn't wasn't quite himself that year. But if you look at his first two full seasons, he's wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 8. That's playing with an elite Antonio Brown, who is demanding double coverage, and a healthy and good Ben Roethlisberger. Dalton, does that sound like a similar situation to maybe what Juju could be playing with in Kansas City? Sounds really similar. The one thing I will say, and I don't think this is a knock on him, a lot of people are calling him the wide receiver two, and that's technically correct. But for fantasy purposes, he's yeah, still he's the wide receiver. Yeah, he's still the wide receiver three on this team. And I've heard that as a knock. The Chiefs let uh, Demarcus Robinson, who just signed with the Raiders actually like five minutes ago, uh, they let him walk, and they also let uh, Byron Pringle walk. And combined, those two had 109 targets. Mm-hmm. That's I'm not giving it like a one-to-one straight. He's going to have 109 targets. But Tyree Kill also had 159 targets. And there's room for those numbers to come down and Tyree Kill to demand better targets, not these two-yard out routes that Mahomes has to throw because everything downfield is covered. And then more importantly to me, and this isn't me predicting it, but Travis Kelsey is getting old. And as a just a premise for the the team – they probably don't want to have to utilize him the way they do as this like intermediate well, route runner every and, single and, and even outside of that, Kelsey missed one game with COVID. Tyree Kill missed one game with COVID. But like those guys were healthy last year. Not saying they won't be healthy this year. Not saying Juju will be healthy this year. But like Juju has that upside that should be baked into him where any given week, if one of those two misses, Juju is immediately a top 12 to 15 receiver in that week, I, I would imagine. If you're missing one of, I mean, God forbid, both of those guys, he's a he's a top five, he's a top five play. If that were to ever happen, yeah. But, well, let's not forget what frustrates me is that people are pointing out two years ago Juju had a bad season. His average depth of target was two yards. He, he was still wide receiver twenty or eighteen and and half point per reception that year too. By the way, yeah, and he was getting he. that's not going to happen with the Chiefs offense. They're not going to target him at two yards down the field as frequently as they were. They were throwing him screens because Ben Roethlisberger's had a noodle arm for two years. And he was playing with like the likes of Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. And uh, yeah, not great. Not great. And and Ben was, like you said, on the verge of being washed. I'm glad you mentioned the target thing though. So in this thread, this guy also looked at the Steelers and Chiefs targets. So last year, the Chiefs had 373 targets that went to Kelsey Hill, CEH, and Daryl Williams. And I don't think Daryl's going to be back this year for the Chiefs. In, I believe this is Juju's rookie year, 353 targets go to Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant. And Juju was wide receiver 20 that year on 79 targets. Like, that breakdown, like, it's not, again, that's not going to say it's going to be a one-to-one, but it is to say, like, in a good offense, Juju is a good player. He can be very efficient on not as many targets. Because, like, we forget, like, he's a great – he's one of the top yards after catch guys since he's entered the league. And that's even with missing almost a whole year last year and considerable time the year before, quite frankly. We've been begging – we've been begging for some consolidation on the Chiefs after Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey saying, how great would it be if McCole Hardman just got – if he was just the clear third option in the passing game, like this is it, like this is the guy, it, it's finally here. Yeah, no, I and we talked about this last offseason and we talked about this in private a lot, but I think Juju is the absolute perfect fit for what Kansas City needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
there are so many times where Kansas City just didn't have a third option that can get open underneath. He provides that. And more importantly than all of that is that he is such an underrated player. Since entering the league, he's still below the age of guys like Hunter Renfro, who've been in the league less time than him. And he had a breakout Jerry season. Jerry Judy is the only receiver in the AFC West who is younger, a starting wide receiver who is younger than Juju right now. Which is wild. And at age 18 at USC, Juju had his breakout college career. I mean, he was a, fr- a true, true freshman in college. I think, he, I believe his first game he played, he was 17. If I he was, he was drafted at 20, and if you remember, he still didn't know how to drive a car and was riding his bike around and got his bike stolen during his rookie year. That's how young he was when he came into the NFL. <laughs> yeah. No, I love this signing for fantasy. He's probably within the top 30 receivers for me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, depending on how things play out, he's the prime handcuff for the highest octane passing offense in the NFL or maybe second to the Bills. But he's a clear handcuff when it comes to skill if Kelsey or Hill get hurt. He's just going to be a nice guy to have on your team where it's like, I don't know what to do with my flex this week. Let's just, let's just put in Juju. And I feel like I've got a pretty safe, like eight points, but with the potential for 20 points on any given week, cause it could go instead of five for 55, maybe he goes five for 55 and two touchdowns because the Chiefs scored five touchdowns this week. Yeah. And let's not forget the the year he had Duck Hodges and everybody else. He was almost the prime red zone threat for the Steelers. <laughs> so he has those skills. And the Chiefs need a guy besides Kelsey down in that area, too. So I think Juju actually could be a, a decently high touchdown compared to where well, he's going to have a lot of receptions. But I, I think he's going to have quite a few touchdowns this year. That, that'd be that'd be my prediction that I have no basis on. Just, just a field. Just a field. Dalton, who's your second winner? Um, my second winner And this one's one that's definitely subject to change depending on the draft and the rest of free agency. But I think Michael Pittman has become a Mm -hmm. major winner when looking at it. Um, Matt Ryan is such a substantial. He's going to be a guy whose stock goes like way too high. I feel like already the hype is already pretty, pretty high. We're like one day into this thing. No, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they had him as like wide receiver eight. And I was like, okay, now we're getting really rich. Um, What what did you say? What number? You glitched out there. Eight. Eight. Wow. Yeah. And I probably have him in the top like 18. Um, but you know, 13 of 14 Matt Ryan seasons, he's had somebody finish as a top 16 wide receiver. The only year he did it was last year, last and that's year. because there was nobody on the team with the skill set to do that. Well, and the guy who was was gambling 1500 bucks yes. on, on, on the Falcons while he wasn't playing, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and Philip Rivers before this was probably Pittman's best QB, and Pittman was injured half the season and a rookie when he had him. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. I don't have words for how terrible he was last year. I This Colts roster is going to give Matt Ryan the best offensive line he's had in his career. According yep. to Pro Football Focus, it's going back to 2009. The Falcons have not had a top eight unit when it comes to offensive lines, and there's still talk that Taron Armstead might join the Colts. I mean, Matt Ryan's going to have all the time in the world, and Michael Pittman – is a guy who can get up and catch those balls, and he's not a Julio Jones one-to-one comparison. I think Taron Armstead is like bordering on LeBron James' level of take your time to make the decision here. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Well, I was just going to say the skill set of Pittman and Julio Jones is similar. They're not separators. They're guys that get up and catch the ball. Mm -hmm. And Matt Ryan has a lot of comfort in doing that. And then Frank Reich has turned older bad QBs like Nick Foles into good QBs. Even Phillip Rivers had a – 4,000-yard, 28-touchdown season in the last year of his career. Um, 
So I'm very excited. I think Matt Ryan probably gets one or two more shots at looking good. He mm-hmm. was obviously the NFL MVP one year when he had um, Kyle Shanahan as OC. And I think this is the best offensive situation he's been put in. Yep. I, I don't think like Ryan has that kind of upside anymore, but I do think he has the upside to be like a top 15 NFL quarterback, which yeah. for Michael Pittman, that's a big upgrade over what he had last year. And then you mentioned it, his rookie year. It, he he played well when he was in, but he was injured. And also like rookies take a little time anyway. And well, most- I've always been a big Pittman fan too. So I'm in on this. The most important part that I don't hear anybody talking about is Pittman gets six games against the AFC South. <laughs> that's two against Jacksonville, and that's two against the Texans. And I'm just going to pin AKA the, the only the, the only bad teams in the AFC. Yeah, the AFC South. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm excited for him. I think the hype's going to get out of control. And I'm going to no longer be excited, but for now, <laughs> I'm going to let myself talk a bit. For now, he's a winner. I totally agree. My second winner. Uh, Tried to stay off the quarterback track here because obviously we've got some of that we can get to. I think C.D. Lamb was a pretty big winner in the free agency. With Amari Cooper being cut, I actually initially forgot he was cut. I was like, with Amari Cooper trade, no, wait. The Cowboys actually did cut Amari Cooper. That's right. And signing with the Browns and even Cedric Wilson being shipped out. I think the path is so clear for Lamb to take that step from very good to elite. Like he's capable of moving all over the field and finally like that's what the Cowboys are going to need out of him. And you have to believe the Cowboys believe he can do that, that, and that opened them up to, to letting Cooper go to letting Wilson walk. And I know they brought back uh Gallup, but every offense has two good pass catchers. So it's not like that. That's not scaring me off of, off the lamb hype train. I think even like even letting Wilson go matters quite a bit because I think that gives more opening for lamb to do more in the slot and get more volume in there. I know there's a, a decent to good chance. The Cowboys bring in another receiver. I know they still have Dalton Schultz. So it's not like this is just a pure volume play, but there's nobody else now who's like on lamb's level. I don't think like if lamb was a one Cooper was like one of the best twos. I think Gallup was like a pretty good two. But I think Lamb is like so very clearly the alpha now. And I think people have a weird thing with Lamb where they worry he's not a true wide receiver one because he they he he was a guy that people were just all in on this year. And he was good, even maybe very good, but he wasn't elite. I think he could be like a top eight receiver this year and take that step. No, I like that a lot too. Um I, I'll be interested to see if the Cowboys draft a wide receiver in the first round. I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of buzz around James. It's Jerry Williams. Jones. It's Jerry yeah, Jones. You it's, know, it's going to, if, if, if Jamison Williams is there, he's going to be off the Cowboys and that will maybe change things a little bit because I love Jamison Williams, but no, but I like him a lot this off season. I think I'm going to be down on the Cowboys compared to last year because Dak's going to be behind a substantially worse offensive line. Um, and I think their defense is going to probably take a step backwards with that crazy turnover margin. They forced all of last year. Oh, they lost Randy Gregory too. Yeah. And they lost a all-star pass rusher and really don't have a replacement for it. Uh, shout out to former KU product now playing as their starting defensive tackle. Um, the, the only way that it doesn't hurt them too much and they'd be smart to do this would be is just let Micah Parsons rush the, rush the passer all the time. Yeah. And, and just find a different, a different linebacker to drop back in coverage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my Yeah, I think he's on – I mean, I like Michael Gallup, but Gallup's really like the field-stretching role, and I think that's where the biggest hit to that offense is going to take. Dak's going to need a lot of that inside. 
uh, short throws. They also let Jarwin walk, so the tight end room is a little more thin, so Schultz might be called for a lot more of blocking, and they'll probably use uh, 12 personnel less, which just means that CD is going to get more opportunities while Schultz probably stays in line to help whatever they put up at tackle to try to replace Lyle Collins. Yep, I agree. All right, we're on to the losers. And, boy, the Cowboys as a team would probably be the number one loser free agency. But, Dalton, who's your first loser um, from fantasy football perspective? It hurts to do this. The guy's been beaten down on Twitter so much. Um, I love him. We're going to have a dude. We're going to have a duplicate here. Who is it? It's LaVisca Chenault. Oh, I went with his teammate, DJ Shark. Oh, well, that's another one. Um, <laughs> so just to start with LaVisca Chenault, he's in a poverty franchise run by Trent Baalke, who does not know what he's doing when it comes to free agency. The guy just went out there and was like, we're just going to sign everyone and just see what happens. Um, and then he went on to sign three slot receiver players, which is what LaVisca Chenault is. He signed Christian Kirk, signed Jones, and they signed Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram. Uh, all three of those players are going to play in the short yardage roles. Then they come out and say they're really unhappy with the way Chanel played last year, despite the fact that they had a head coach who is so well documented to have done an absolutely horrible job. At I, I will say, I will say, I was pretty uninspired with Chanel's play last year, too, and disappointed, frankly, because I got excited about him. I wasn't quite ready to give up because I wanted to give him a chance under a real coaching staff with probably a better quarterback. But yes. Their moves definitely hurt at least his outlook. Maybe he rises to the top, but I don't know. They paid quite a bit to bring in some. And I'm not like a big follow the money guy, but they like based their whole offseason on um, what's his name? Christian Kirk being like the best receiver in the NFL because they, they brought in whatever cornerback that was like, oh, did you see him move all around cover Christian Kirk? It's like, do they think Christian Kirk is DeAndre Hopkins? Were they were they watching the wrong Falcons guy? Well, wrong, Christian, uh, Christian Kirk's guy. Had one 100 yard receiving game last year, and it was against the Jaguars. <laughs> so if they only watch that tape, they're on par with it. Um, and what hurts? The Marcus Robinson's only 100 yard receiving game against the Raiders, by the way, really makes all these things. Make wow, more sense. these things are really adding up. Um, the worst part about all this is that this situation feels really, really, really similar to what happened to Denzel Mims in New York, where the guy Lavisca Schnall has a high draft pedigree on him. And then a new regime came in and buried him on the depth chart, and he's never going to be heard of again with that team. And I think that's what's going to happen here um, because he's not a guy where they could be like, we lost our deep threat. You know, Marvin Jones got hurt. You need to play the Y role. He uh, he just doesn't play that. It's not his position. Our only hope is that he plays running back somehow. I mean, I don't know what else. <laughs> well, they might be without James Robinson for a lot of the years. So maybe he, yeah. maybe he does spell uh, Etienne in the backfield. I mean, surely they'll bring in somebody else. But – but all around, uh, very sad about it. I hope he gets traded or cut so he can end up on a team and I can cheer for him again. This could be like Cordero Patterson 2.0 while I'm waiting <laughs> six years for him to develop into the NFL. <laughs> Don't sell your stock, kids. Wait for that Cordero <laughs> Patterson year when he's when he's 30. I'm going with his ex-teammate. You would think that like when a guy leaves Jacksonville, it's only up from here. I don't think it was for DJ Shark. So the first red flag for me, is that the Jaguars decide they'd rather pay Christian Kirk a boatload of money and hand Zay Jones a three-year $24 million deal and pay Evan Ingram a decent amount. I don't remember the amount off the top of my head. Nine million, one year. To uh okay. That's, that's a <laughs> decent amount. To to come in and be their pass catchers at, at one of those guys at, at the expense of bringing 
EJ Shark back, which by the way, Shark is like kind of what they're missing now, right? Like they don't have anyone who can really stretch the field as a deep threat. So another another weird thing. And the it's not that the Jaguars just didn't bring him back. Like they didn't even consider it. Like the first thing it's like bang, Christian Kirk, bang, Zay Jones. And like a day later, Evan Ingram. It's like they did not want any part Shark. So that worries me a little bit, number one. They even and- brought back Laquan Treadwell, by the way, just, <laughs> just for the interest in. Uh, if Jared Goff is still the quarterback in Detroit, which it kind of seems like he will be for now, but we still haven't had the NFL draft and like Baker Mayfield still is kind of out there, which by the way, side note, Dalton, is Baker Mayfield a starting quarterback in week one of the 2022 season? God, I hope not. He's running out of, out of spots. Like it's not going to be Houston clearly. Otherwise he would have been in the trade. Him and the Panthers have mutual disinterest per the tweet that one of you sent in our group today. Had never seen that one before. Yeah. And like outside well, just, of that, it's like I think any team who wants a quarterback is probably gonna pick Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still out there, hopefully gonna be traded. It's like who who else is there that really needs a quarterback? Like the Falcons have their stopgap and Marcus Mariota. Clearly, they're hoping to suck and get Bryce Young or somebody next year. And it's like, I'm struggling to really think of teams outside of that. Like the Seahawks, if they come to their senses and don't ride with Drew Locke, but they are saying they're going to for right now. I think I prefer Drew Locke in Seattle. I said this personally, I'll say it publicly. Uh, At least Drew Locke like throws these like stupid bombs down the field. Maybe Tyler Locke (laughs) and uh, Metcalf have some worth. If Baker's in Seattle, it's like a worse version of Cleveland. Uh, like a worse offensive line, they're still going to run the ball as much as Cleveland does, and they have two better wide receivers who they're not going to throw the ball to, and then Baker's going to be in the pocket not knowing what to do because this will be the first time in his NFL career he's had subpar coverage. Spin zone, spin zone. Clearly, if you want your receiver to get off of whatever team he's on, just put him on the same team as Baker Mayfield. He'll eventually get traded or even cut. Maybe Tarlock could get cut after this year, go wherever he wants. Because of Baker, I agree. Um, <laughs> but back to DJ Chark. Yes, back to Chark. So if Goff is still the quarterback, like this is not a situation that's tailor-made for Chark. It's like actually quite the opposite. The Lions passed on nearly 60% of their attempts per CBS. They were dead last in average depth of throw at 6.36 yards per attempt. And their amount of called passes of 15-plus air yards, which was 54 per game that's third the third lowest in the nfl i believe the titans and i think the falcons were the other team that that ranked lower that doesn't exactly sound like a dj shark fit right like he's a fast guy who has a good nose for the ball like in jump ball situations down the field and can make plays down the field weaknesses not the best hands not like the most polished football player underneath it's like couple that with uh amaran st brown even Quintus Cephas and Josh Reynolds are still there. Like, I don't want to invest anything in Shark other than a late-round flyer. And you think about if he went to Green Bay, if he went to the Chiefs instead of Juju, if he went to – I don't know. If he went to – yeah, Dallas, or even, like, the Rams, if they didn't sign Allen Robinson and he goes there. It's like there's so many other places he could have gone where, where he, it could have been really great on paper that this really hurts, quite frankly, for TJ Shark. Yeah, no, Dynasty stock almost like borderline cuttable. You're just betting on talent at this point. He only signed a one-year deal, so I wouldn't say cuttable, but you're not even like thinking of starting him until he has like four good games in a row this year. (laughs) Well, and this whole Lions offense is going to be a absolute horrible team to figure out this offseason because you have TJ Hawk back, you have Swift back, you have 
Reynolds there, and you have Almiron St. Brown, and all of those guys are great at catching passes like 10 yards and within. And then DJ Chark is going to be the one field stretcher. Um, and there are just so many like good, not great offensive weapons on this team that probably figuring out who the guy you want is is going to be hard outside of Swift, obviously, for mm-hmm. talent reasons. But when it comes to pass catching, it's a really crowded room with a guy we know has very bad inefficiencies at being a quarterback in the NFL and had a lower average depth of target last year than the armless Big Ben. So altogether, it's hard to do those things, and he doesn't have like horrible offensive line coverage. Jared Goff just isn't a good quarterback. Now, yep. if Malik Willis goes there, we're, we're playing some fun games, and we can at least hopefully see DJ Chark getting some crazy bombs from Willis. Oh, yeah, that that could definitely at least change the the potential outlook. And then at that point, you're if you're in Dynasty, you're holding until you see Willis, which you know, like I, I have I have quit to see in Dynasty, and if they don't draft a quarterback, he's probably I need to cut one guy since our league uh, we can't have suspended guys on IR. Still unhappy about that. Uh, Calvin Ridley is going to be taking up a bench spot all season. Um, I think Quintus Cephas is going to be the guy that, that gets the ax there. So yeah, just not great for like, I'm, I'm around St. Brown out worry about, but all those other guys don't, don't love what happened there for those other three receivers. No, not at all. Um, and now going on to my other just bad free agency. Uh, this one hurt because he was my wide receiver one and he is getting dinged here. It's hard to say like, Devontae Adams is a bad landing spot because he's the, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. But when it comes to like the top five guys at their position for fantasy, there's a very thin margin that you have to operate on. You're really underestimating how many breakfasts, lunch, and dinners he and Derek are going to have together now if they're reunited. Well, and that's this is what's interesting to me because – Oh, so that year, is interesting to you. Well, no. What's interesting to me is how the, this this target distribution is going to slip out. Because last year, Devontae Adams had a 30.1% target rate, which was first in the NFL. Renfro had a 23.1% target rate, which was 25th in the NFL. I was going to say, you could argue Renfro is the biggest loser on, on this team yeah. with, with this happening. And also, Darren, like Darren Waller, as I'm sure you're going to get to. Yeah, and he had a 23.5% target share. So if we're just mixing numbers, that's 80% of the team targets. That's not going to concentrate like that. It's just simply yeah. impossible to do that. Uh, Matt Harmon pointed out that Devontae Adams is the most covered wide receiver in the NFL over his last eight years. And that's a good point. And this is probably the best situation he's been in when it comes to getting some of that coverages off of him. But I don't know if I trust Derek Carr to elevate Devontae Adams to the same status that Aaron Rodgers was able to do. Aaron Rodgers was the fifth most, had the fifth highest passer rating in the NFL within five yards. And we all know he loves to audible out of run plays at the one-yard line to throw a touchdown. And Devontae Adams was a recipient of those. Uh, And then – Yeah, Derek Carr tries to do that. The coaches are like, no, 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 no. You're not passing the ball. We're running it. Uh, We're we're, we're not wanting to throw a pick on the one-yard line. Yeah, and I still have questions about Josh McDaniels' ability to head coach. The Bill Belichick coaching tree is a relatively short and poor uh, situation in the NFL outside of Brian Flores. Uh, so I'm not too excited about the coaching staff there. And then Derek Carr is playing behind a poor offensive line. And Devontae Adams, he can catch anywhere, don't get me wrong. But 28% of his fantasy points came with uh, catches of 15-plus yards. And I don't know if Derek Carr has that in him to keep that up. So it's just really hard for him to repeat that wide receiver one status. Um, and he's probably going to – he's still going to be my top six – 
but he's probably a guy I'm just not as excited to own anymore. And is a the Raiders just suck. I don't like the Raiders, the worst team in the AFC West. And Derek Carr. <laughs> well, the is, worst team in the in the in the AFC West, they still might win like eight or yes. nine games. Uh, but being attached to Derek Carr is such a huge downgrade. I know people are going to point at his raw numbers, like 4,000-something yards last season, so many touchdowns, but th- there is Rogers such an option. Rodgers is an all-time great, so you're going yeah. from an all-time great to like a solid to good to very good, depending on the day, NFL quarterback. Yeah, um, so I'm just not excited about him anymore. He's probably like a, a mid-second-round guy, and I'll probably just draft other guys in better situations before I see that. I think Justin Jefferson's now the wide receiver one, in my opinion. There we go, JJF, <laughs> my guy. Okay, I'm going to take the other side of this coin. Who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to next year, Dalton? Is he, um, he might be the biggest loser out of this whole ordeal. Huge loser, absolutely. However, Aaron Jones through the roof. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is going to suck Dillon. in fantasy. Yeah, there's going to be a lot okay, of – Okay, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is going to suck in fantasy, to be clear, but like – He's been like top three the last couple of years. Like, I, I don't think he's getting ranked top three. I mean, free agency in the draft, not over. But, like, do we think the Packers are – the Packers have two first-round picks. Hopefully they take one receiver in the first round. I don't think they're taking two. I think people would be thrilled if they just take one because they, like, don't ever do that. And who's really left out there for them to sign? Like, is Jarvis Landry going to be the, the guy they bring in as their one? Will the thrill Fuller? <laughs> Will Fuller would wouldn't be a bad idea. I'm just like I'm literally at a loss for like who else. I will say really out Alan Lazard. I think is a not bad NFL wide receiver. That's fine. But what what did we see from Rodgers against the Niners? And what have we seen from Rodgers in other seasons where guys haven't been able to get open? He holds the ball. He doesn't throw in the tight windows because he doesn't either. He doesn't want to throw picks, doesn't want to take the chance uh, of throwing a pick or just like, I, I don't know, thinks he can hold the ball and, and hold the ball and make plays, which he does a lot. But he also has definitely bogged down the offense in different seasons where he's not where, the seasons where it's been like, man, what's wrong with Rogers? It's usually guys can't get open. He's holding the ball too long. He's not forcing it. Like, what's he going to have to do next year? If his receiving core looks even anything similar to what it is right now, he's going to have to force it. He's not going to have guys who can go win one-on-one matchups against the best cornerbacks in the NFL. It It's going to be a different world for, for Rodgers next year. Yeah. Well, and even if they take a rookie, it's not like the Raiders have like a high, high pick they got from him. They don't have a top – I don't even think it's top 15. Right. It's I think Raiders it's probably – it, yeah, Raiders been in the playoffs. So it's probably like 18, 19, somewhere yeah. in there. So then you're looking at like the the George Pickens and Jameson Williams range of players, and it's Which not if that George I, Pickens goes there, he's the going roots. like number like two or three in, yeah. in rookie drafts. Uh, I will be all in on that train, but it's also incredible. I know we've been blessed by Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. It is incredibly rare for wide receivers to yes. put up the seasons they're putting up, even with elite quarterback play. And this draft class is not the same as previous years when it comes to like the, the absolute stacking of skill positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the production that Rodgers needs is going to be hard and green Bay doesn't pass at a crazy rate. His production was really on like really efficient passing, which requires really efficient receivers, which requires a really good receiver, which they just don't have at this point. Uh, but there is a free agent out there. Love him to death. He's been a free agent for about three years, but last time he played with Aaron Rodgers, he went nuclear in the playoffs. His name is Jeff Janis. Uh, bring him home. (laughs) 
<laughs> we almost made it. We almost made it to the Packers, <laughs> to the Packers needing a receiver uh, conversation without Jeff Janice. Almost. One day the NFL will pay for the Okay, Dalton, we've probably got about five, ten more minutes before we should get out of here. But before we do, let's just kind of run through some of the other signings, some of the other trades. We didn't talk about Cleveland at all besides me mentioning Amari Cooper. They obviously trade a lot, and they get back to Sean Watson, who, again, we don't know how many games he's missing. We don't even know if he will. We think he probably will based on, like, Ezekiel Elliott and other, like, past precedent uh, based on, on some of that stuff. Are you regretting not having Nick Chubb in your top 12 yet? Uh, well, that's just unfair. <laughs> uh, I told you we didn't know who their quarterback was going to be. That yeah, was part well, of it. You know, uh, I, did, I couldn't have called the, the, that. I'm one. like the Michael, the Michael Jordan guy in the documentary right now. Uh, I will say all of their weapons obviously get really high boosts from this, even with a little bit of uncertainty. The one guy, if I'm going to like really like skip the Amari and like the obvious ones, Harrison Bryant. Okay. Second string I, tight end. I thought you were going to go with the other tight end. I was like, Dalton? Let's David Njoku? Yes, because I know people are going a little too crazy on Njoku. Well, that's why I'm going for Harrison Bryant. He won the Mackey Award in college. <laughs> All right, that's the best tight end in college. That's like he, Dalton has had Harrison Bryant's name written down in a Google Doc for two years, and that's the only note that's been in there this whole time. He is, well, I think I talked about him two years ago, and that yes. was my entire argument. Yes. Um, Love Harrison Bryant. He's played a few games and he's been well when he's a starter, yeah. even with uh, Baker Mayfield as quarterback. And Deshaun Watson likes to throw to his tight ends. He has a high, above average NFL tight end target rate. So I like Harrison Bryant more than Njoku. I'm not doing the Njoku train. Uh, and then obviously Amari Cooper to the moon, you, probably the you, best quarterback you, you, of his career. You go from feeling really terrible about what happened for Amari Cooper to pretty damn good in, in a matter of a couple days there with being being cut by the Cowboys going to the Browns and then oh hey here's the Sean Watson for however many games this year yeah I will say what the Browns did with his contract is absolutely horrible and yes. that he is likely getting suspended based on the way they did structure that that seems to be their conclusion yes they he probably- also, he, he's only getting a one million dollar base salary and all the rest of this year's money is in like bonuses and 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 whatnot so when he does get suspended he is going to pay the minimum amount of fines possible. And now Deshaun Watson with 22 pending legal issues out there uh, is the highest paid player, got the highest guaranteed money ever. So yeah, go NFL. All right, next guy, Allen Robinson to the Rams. Three years, $46.5 million. I was a little surprised by this. They said today that they had, basically they were holding a spot for Von Miller. Von Miller signs for a crap load of money and a lot of years in Buffalo and the Rams move on to a different position that they felt like could help them. Uh, they trade away Robert Woods. So you can kind of, I, you can kind of do like the, the one for one thing with Woods. If you, if they do bring back Beckham still a little crowded there, if Odell does come back and plays really well, but I think just for Allen Robinson specifically, like, this is a bit, he's finally with a good quarterback, finally in a good offense. You uh, like, we didn't mention him in the winners or losers, but he's a clear winner based on where he came from and where he is now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are discounting Allen Robinson for a one bad season after like 10 good seasons with horrible quarterback play. And I he's mean, like 28, back, he's not like 34, you know? Yeah. He's, he, he's still got some years. 
Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup is older than him and just had his best season. So, like, mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't go out and just discount him all of a sudden. Wait, is I, Cooper I, Cup actually older than Allen Robinson? Cooper Cup's 29. Wow. So, I, I'm not going to go crazy and, like, overdraft Allen Robinson. But, first of all, Odell was visiting with the Raiders today. I don't know what's going on there. Second of all, Odell's probably missing at least the first month to two months of the yeah. season. Maybe yeah. more. Maybe more. Um, and they like can if, if, if we're thinking no Chris Goblin until October, like add a, add another month to Odell, yeah. likely. And they can really wait on him. I mean, they don't need him. And Odell's probably like considered a luxury to them when it comes to their wide receiving cores and they'll want him for a playoff run if they re-sign him. Mm-hmm. And Robert Woods, before he tore his ACL, was wide receiver 12. And I think Allen Robinson's a better receiver than Robert Woods by like a, a pretty significant margin. That's no disrespect to Bob Trees, but Alan Robinson has done it with the worst of the worst. Yep. Uh, and I'm not going to go as far as to say he's better than Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup just had one of the best seasons of any NFL player. But I think their their skill level is pretty close. And I really like Alan Robinson this season. I think he deserves like a top 16 ranking. He, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to go a little crazy for him this offseason because I think a lot of people threw him away despite what he's done for so many years. Allen Robinson or Juju this year? Allen Robinson. Same. Allen Robinson for me as well. Okay. Let's talk about the Bucks real quick. So they bring back Lerm Fournette first thing this morning. They signed Russell Gage a uh, couple days ago, last week sometime. And obviously Tom Brady out, comes out of retirement. So And they get doing, a guard back. Yep. <laughs> and, and they and they get an offensive line, an offensive lineman uh from the Patriots. Shout out Patriots for that trade. Um so we went from feeling pretty bad about the Bucks' weapons like Mike Evans and Chris Goblin and Dynasty, at least for this year, to I'd imagine pretty good. And Fournette goes from visiting the Patriots to, okay, he's back where he should be the lead guy. And it should be, it should be at least pretty good. Yeah. Well, and even if they draft a guy, I'm not incredibly worried about Fournette at this point. He probably deserves to Unless go to the top. Unless it's Hall, but that should not happen. Yeah. They just paid Fournette to the point of where it would be a very – like it's already not a good idea to draft Brees Hall in the first round. It would be a very bad idea to do that. Yes. you're paying your running back that much money too. Yes. Um, but he was first in the NFL in high-value touches last year. Him and Christian McCaffrey are the only ones above six. That's touches within the five-yard line. Uh, obviously, he had like a four-touchdown game right before he got injured. Um, and Tom Brady – this is like the ultimate thing because Tom Brady's good at targeting backs and he did with James White the whole time. But Leonard Fournette gets the special, I'm getting targeted by Tom Brady and I'm also getting to run the ball in an mm-hmm. offense led by Tom Brady. I think he deserves like back of the top 12 consideration. Uh, but there are the Bucks are like the only team in the NFL that can't just find like a good ancillary pass catching running yeah. back. Well, they tried with Gio. I don't know what happened there, but he's yeah. off the roster now. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is still there for for what's worth. Uh, Rojo's got no free agent interest, RIP, no. that one. Uh, Mike Evans, also the first part of the season, probably going to go nuclear for a little while without Chris Godwin. Uh, Russell Gage is fine. But- Russell Gage might be a slight loser because once Godwin is back, like Gage is kind of – I don't think you're starting Gage in fantasy. And he actually could have, either number one, stayed in Atlanta and just been a terrible efficiency but yeah. very high target guy or gone somewhere else where the like the Packers like if he was on the pat like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say the Packers for every receiver if he yeah. would have went to the Packers like he, he would have been probably a top 24 receiver this year well then if Gronk resigns I mean yep Russell Gage is just the odd man out um but I I mean every single pass catcher from last year is probably worth except for Godwin because of his injury but I think even like a fifth round pick on him 
isn't spending too much in redraft. The rest of the guys are back in the top 24 likely. Gronk, yeah, I mean, if Gronk comes back, he's probably like the third or fourth tight end off people's boards. He was so good in his limited action he saw. Last I, I I still think he's going to go lower than that just because because of his age. Yeah, well, that's the same concern with Liddy, right? He's older, yeah. so we're concerned about whether or not he can produce. That's true, but Gronk has been like retired and yeah. then unretired. And then obviously played great last year after his first year back from retirement. But like people thought he was maybe going to retire again this offseason. And now he's probably leaning toward coming back. Yeah. Out of curiosity, I still haven't seen Brady's contract details. I haven't either, but I know he was uh, going to be making like four, like 40 something million if he didn't retire. I, I don't know. He, he's got some weird stuff going on with like what he was going to be making, then he retired. But I, I'm sure it's going to, I'm sure it's going to be a big contract. It's going to be a big yeah. one year contract. Yeah. So, and is that all the QB carousel? I, whoa, whoa. I forgot about the big one. Carson Wentz went to yes. the Washington Commanders. Obviously. Uh, not, not. I guess it's an upgrade, but you were hoping for a much bigger upgrade if you're a Terry McLaurin uh, dynasty yeah. fantasy manager. So that doesn't feel great, but it's probably a one-year deal if we've learned anything from these last couple of years. Well, and it's sad, but it's probably the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's played with in his career. Um, so there's something to be there. He will probably have a thousand yards. I, do, I, I can't really make it sound better than it is. Um, and then obviously McKissick came back too. So that hurt Gibson. Washington. Boy, and that was talk about a roller coaster. If you're an Antonio yes. Gibson dynasty manager, you go from, oh my God, is Antonio Gibson finally free? No, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah, no. not at all. Um, one underrated free agent signing that I didn't get to, I forgot about. I actually think James Washington in Dallas has some fantasy relevance. I thought you were going to say Duke Johnson off of the McKissick boat in no, Buffalo. No, no. Although um, he could be their second running back there. I think Zach Moss is like borderline out of the league right now. Yeah, he's not great. Uh, but James Washington, his skill set just never fit with Big Ben. But he was always a preseason like stud. And I'm not saying there's a one-to-one direct correlation. Like we, we remember Zach Zinner. He, he didn't come of anything. But he's a deep threat. And that wide receiver room's thin enough that I think he can get some field time. I'm excited if they don't draft a wide receiver to kind of shoot for him at the end of my drafts. Um, that's probably my most underrated free agent signing for fantasy purposes. Like mm-hmm. small, it was a small one year deal, but I'm excited to see if he can make something of his NFL career. All right, I've got two more teams I want to touch on real quick, and then we're out of here. Cordero Patterson. I've got to say, if you're a Cordero Patterson dynasty manager, this is the best thing that could have happened for you. Because if you're a contending team, you're probably just holding on. And this is the bet. Like going back to the Falcons is probably the best you could have hoped for for Patterson. And if you're not a contending team, like he just gave you the perfect window to get out, to, to trade him for at least something decent. Like if you don't do right by yourself with Cordell Patterson on your dynasty r- roster, it's your own fault. Like this is the perfect either buy low or sell high window which is a weird thing to say, but like, I think for both sides, like depending on your team, it makes total sense to buy and sell him right now. Yeah. I mean, if you are going to contend this year, you should probably go try to get him. If you're not contending and you have him, I would probably sell him for just about anything. I'm not going to obviously let someone just walk over me in the trade, but you could probably get a second round pick for him. Yeah. I think so. From a team who thinks they're contending. So at the late, they think at the late second, maybe it turns out to be better than that. If you do it like right now, but like it's a running back that that's incredibly incredibly valued just based on position alone, and then like you just sell sell the guy on hey 
the volume last year was crazy. Look at the roster. What what, yeah. what it could be pretty crazy again this year too. Yeah, it's probably going to be crazier actually. <laughs> um, Marcus Mariota, Cordero Patterson, read option. I mean, I like that for them. Kyle Pitts, great blocker. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, not not a great day for Johnny's dynasty team because Kyle not Pitts, another guy who I'm not, not thrilled with what with what happened for him. So close to the Sean Watson, and now he has nothing right now. Marcus Mariota, who's your last free agency signing? Um, I two signings actually. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the Dolphins' backfield at this point. So Chase Edmonds was practically the first guy off the board. Gets a pretty decent deal to go to Miami. And then they bring in Raheem Mostert. And I don't even remember what his contract was. But to me, Mostert probably profiles if he's healthy, which is the story of his life. But if he's healthy, like Mostert's probably the 1A to Edmonds 1B. And Edmonds kind of plays more of that pass catching. And it's probably like the more valuable fantasy guy, unless Mostert has like a really good touchdown season. But I'm just curious how you feel about that backfield and just those two guys in general on that team. Uh, I'm still uninspired from either of them uh, because Brandon Thorne was looking at offseason acquisitions and he said that the Dolphins have done the worst at acquiring an offensive line. And again, they have the worst offensive line in the NFL. Um, they even linked to Taron Armstead like for forever. That for seems forever. like that seems like that is prop like that should happen, but it hasn't yet. Yeah. Well, and I'm even with him that they're going to need to draft somebody. I feel yes. like to, to shore up that offensive line. If I'm picking between the two, I, I last I looked at underdog ADP, Chase Edmonds had squeaked into the fifth round, but that was before the trade. Um, Raheem Mostert was, I don't think, even getting drafted. I would probably just take a flyer on Raheem Mostert though, because classic he, Dalton goes with the guy that's cheaper. I don't like Edmonds to, to be fair. Um, I don't like what his, he's not going to be the best pass catcher. Mike Gusecki should get the underneath stuff. Um, and then the Jalen Waddle quite yeah. obviously is the, the pass catcher on that team. Um, and then they bring in Cedric Wilson too, who's like the, the slot guy. It's uh it's funny because for narrative street people, this is going to be a real tough distinction because you have, Oh, well, they paid Chess Edmonds all this money, or you have, oh, well, the head coach knows Raheem Mostert. He just coached him. Like, yep. he clearly brought him in because he wants to use him. Like, which one of these is going to win out? I'm so confused. Yeah, the, the Mike McDaniels train, we're going to be real confused trying to decipher that one. Um, but Raheem Mostert, he clocked in as, like, one of the fastest players in the NFL at one point in his career. I like it. I'm just going to bet on that. Um, even, I mean – I'm not going to say he lost his job to James Conner, but Chase Edmonds kind of did lose his job to James Conner. And I just don't like that for him from a skill set. That backfield should have just kept Duke Johnson and skipped on Edmonds, but that's whatever. Speaking of which, James Conner, probably the biggest winner of free agency, but he was such an obvious one that I didn't list him. Yeah, I mean, he he is going to have his draft stock go to the moon, but now we should all remember that it's his first healthy season in like three years. Yes. And – a lot of touchdown equity going there, and I'm pretty sure the Dolphins, or, wow, the Cardinals are still going to pick someone up in the draft as a running back in the second day. If I had to guess, their room is incredibly short. It's you know Benjamin and James Conner at this point. Yeah, but that that's still better than if they bring back Trace Edmonds and pay him money. Okay, Dalton, yeah. any, anything else that we missed before we hop out of here? I think that's everything. Uh, just a crazy NFL offseason. Can't wait for the NFL draft because I am so excited 
to know this year that the Raiders can't just screw everything up and take a player no one thought was going to go in the first round. I thought you were going to say you're excited for us to do another like three and a half hour show during the We draft. will be doing that too. <laughs> and on that note, we better get out of here. That is going to do it for episode 66 of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube if you're watching here. Thank you. It's just Half Point for Podcast on YouTube. Follow, subscribe, all of that stuff. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or like I said, anywhere else. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. And we will talk to you guys, not totally sure when, maybe one time before the NFL draft, maybe two. We'll see. We'll for sure be live during the NFL draft. I'm not sure how much pre-draft talk we'll have. But we will talk to you guys again within the next couple of weeks.